Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. Thanks to all who were read today as we celebrate Pentecost, Pentecost the birthday of the church. I confess red is not something I have a lot of in my wardrobe and I was thinking this morning that I am glad that Pentecost doesn't fall during football or basketball seasons. Genesis 1 is where we are this morning. Would you pray with me? Kind Father, we give you thanks for this day that you have blessed us with. Lord, it was a hot week, and, and Lord, as the weekend arrived, so did a cool breeze. Lord, we pray that the cool breeze of the Spirit would rush in through the sanctuary today like it did in the upper room on that day of Pentecost so long ago. And that, Lord, it would be refreshing to us. Peter said that we should repent so that times of refreshing may come as he preached there at the first of Acts. May refreshing come to us. That we may be better enabled to go and be your image to the world. Father, bless me with the words that are needed. For all of those who have gathered to hear from you today, as we make our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. One of the common misconceptions about Pentecost, it seems to me, is that it is not simply the church's birthday, but it is the Spirit's birthday as well. I think part of the confusion that we have is based upon the fact that Jesus promised us a helper when he left. And so in the minds of some, 
the Spirit manifests and, and pops up for the first time there on Pentecost. And it's absent before then. That is wrong. Pentecost is marked as the day when the fullest revelation of the Spirit, that the Spirit's powers and gifts are manifested for the first time in the church in their fullest representation ever. The Spirit clears up and lets himself be known to all. Because the Spirit had always been present with the Father and the Son. If you go back to Genesis 1, it is the Spirit that the Scripture tells us in the beginning. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light there was the spirit there in the beginning it will be the spirit just a few more verses later that will breathe into the lifeless clay and bring life to Adam and Eve it is the spirit that moves in the tops of the trees and signals to David victory over the Philistines it will be the Spirit and a prayer for the Spirit to remain with him that we hear throughout so many of David's plaintive pleas of repentance in the Psalms. It is the Spirit which stirs and brings together the valley of dry bones that Ezekiel sees and causes them to form into an army filled with hope. It is the Spirit, Paul will tell us later in the New Testament, that literally breathed into the hearts of the writers of the Old Testament, the Scriptures, and brought them forth to us. It is the Spirit who we see back at the beginning of Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel will one day overshadow a poor virgin with such power that she conceives the Son of God. The angel said, the Spirit shall overshadow you. So, beloved, we see that it is the Spirit that has always been present. It was just at Pentecost that we learn just how magnificent Jesus' promised comforter is. And as we go through the book of Acts, we see how it is the Spirit that guides the church through new realities. And it is a reminder to us on this day of Pentecost that it will be the Spirit who will guide us through the new realities we will face and are facing both as a body and individually. But it is the eternal existence of the Spirit in the Trinity that I want us to take for a moment and ponder 
on this day of Pentecost. Because in so doing, I think we learn how to be the community that we have seen over these last few weeks is necessary to navigate the new realities that we face in life. The concept of the Trinity is confusing. I have down that it's confusing to many, but I would say it's confusing to most, if not all. How is it that God exists three distinct persons and yet we say that God is one? Three is one. Now, you know, I'm no mathematician, but that defies basic math to me. It defies all logic. And yet, it is the image of this illogical concept of three in one that you and I are created. Notice with me verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We, beloved, are made in the image of God. The imago Dei is the, is the uh, theological phrase for it. The image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. And so what does that mean for us when we think about it in terms of Trinitarian thought? It means first that we are created for community. The three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, exist as one in community. Now, when I say community, it is not like what most of us think of as community. Community here is not like our neighborhoods. It's not like the the boundaries where we live, where you live in the Grove Park community or, or let's extend it further out. You live in the Combsville community or you live in the Snow Camp community or you, you live in the Ossipee community. No, 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 no. That's not what's going on here. This, that's, that's a whole different kind of community because those are communities that are based around all sorts of things like geography, Uh, race, you, you name it. This is a community that is centered around one thing and one thing only, and that is love. The Trinity exists in love, and you and I are called to live in that type of community. We are to be love. We read often 
where John writes in his epistle that God is love. And we think about that, but because of our skewed understandings of love, we think somehow that when, when we think that God is love, that John is talking about maybe a state of mind, or maybe John is talking about an emotion, or, or an action, or, or even an occasional trite word. But what John is saying is that when he says, God is love... It means that God's very existence, God's very reality is love. And this community of three in one exists in love. Therefore, if you and I are created to be in community and we are created in the image of God, it means that we are to function in like manner. Not by just saying love, not by acting always in love, but by being love to the world. Why is it that we see time and time again throughout the Gospels that the great prophet of love, Jesus, tells us again and again to what? Love our neighbor as ourself. He focuses on love. He tells his disciples that what? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. The early church fathers in trying to articulate how three exist as one said that the three were made of one substance and what is that substance love you and I are to be likewise it is why when we come to faith we know what perfect love is why? Because we have accepted that greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. And we have accepted that reality in accepting Jesus. So we have experienced what that greater love is. Beloved, understand something. That new realities that you and I face on a regular basis are not fearsome or not frightening. When they are encountered in and through a community that is love. Love that is not self-seeking, but is self-sacrificing. Love that always, as Paul will say in that great chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't keep a record of wrong, always trusts, always believes, always hopes. It is why love in the end is all that is left, because in the end, beloved, God is all that is left. And God is love. We are created to be a community of love. We are created for community. And the world outside of these walls this morning is looking for community. 
is looking desperately for community. And because each of us, whether saved or unsaved, are made in the image of God, we are looking for a community of love. And so even when people outside of these walls are looking for community, they will go into a community that, is, that has even uh, some fake version of love because we know that anything other than the love of Christ is subpar. And so they're willing to give themselves over to these communities that are nothing more than cheap imitations. And sadly, beloved, the American church is seen by far too many people to not even be a cheap imitation. We are seen to be a place where there is no love. And so the question for us this morning as a congregation is can we be in the image of God? Can we be a community that is love? Not that is loving, not that loves, not that says love, but that is love. Because you see, once we get that, that right understanding of, of God is love, then we can move on to the second reality of being in the image of God, which is that that love points to the fact that we are all created in the image of equality. A difficult concept, at least for me, to grasp as I studied Trinitarian thought in seminary is that because God is so powerful, God the Father, that everybody else reports to him because I live in a hierarchical world just like you do. Somebody always reports to somebody else, right? There is an incident command. You report to this one, who reports to this one, who reports to this one, who reports to this one. But theology teaches us that in the Trinity, there is no such thing as subordinationism. There is no such thing as where Christ is subordinate to the Father. The Spirit is not subordinate to the Son or the Father. The Father is not subordinate to the Son. The Father is not subordinate to the Spirit. They all exist equal. They're all on one level. They all have a job to do because sometimes we differentiate based off of jobs to create subordinationism. But they each have a job to do. They know what their job is and it functions together perfectly. And they go and they do it. And they do it as equals. It would be helpful for us to remember, beloved, <clears throat> that the concept of community upon which the church was founded we find in the words of Paul, in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, slave nor free. We are all one in Christ. There is no differentiation. But sadly, the church at large has in large part forgotten this. And so the church does not present the Imago Dei. The church does not uh, present an image of God that shows not just love, but equality. And beloved, what people see then is 
a God who is fractured and vindictive. And let us be honest, would anybody want to follow that? Would anybody want to give uh, their hopes, their dreams? Would anybody want to, to use that person as the guide by which they live their life, by how they spend their money, by how they, how they reach out to other people, how they spend their time? Why would you want to be something that inside of you, because you are created in the image of God, is reprehensible to you? See, the stakes, beloved, are important. God is not fractured and God is not vindictive. He is love. And he declares that all are equal before him. And if we are to be the people we are created to be in the image of God, we must firmly and resoundingly repudiate and work against the forces that seek to divide us. The forces that seek to divide us on the issues of gender and race and economic status and whatever other qualifier you would wish to bring into the picture. Now understand me, beloved. I do not mean that in seeking to firmly stand up against those who are seeking to divide, we silence those who point out that we are divided. Far too often in our society, we don't want to address these issues because they are difficult. I will come to that in just a second. But it is our task to say there is a problem. And it is our task to offer a helping hand to those who have been subordinated. And it is our task to take a helping hand from when we have been subordinated so that everyone is raised to an equitable level. If we do not do it, beloved, our community is at stake. Our community is at stake because they will never see God. The world needs to see the image of God. We talk often about how fractured our world is, and it is. But beloved, the platitudes of this world will never heal the world. The world cannot be redeemed through laws and regulations and kind words and all those things. The church presenting Jesus Christ, presenting this image of a God who is love and who is a bastion of equality can provide the redemption that the world needs through Jesus Christ. Finally, beloved, I recognize, as I have already stated, that this understanding of the Trinity is complex to the point of illogic. 
If you want to get a headache, go sit in a systematic theology course on the day they decide to discuss Trinitarian thought. If you would like some light study material, or if you are having trouble sleeping these days, I have books on Trinitarian thought that will work better than any uh, Ambien that you can get at the grocery store. It confuses me. It confuses me. And I'm not that smart, but it confuses me. And so because it is difficult, you and I would be apt to jump over it. But we should understand that in the image of God, there is complexity. And if you and I are created in the image of God, we are complex. We are complex, beloved. It is what we are called to. We live in a society that does not like complexity. It likes complexity in all of its technology, right? But then what does it do with that technology? It says that that technology, the technology is sort of like this, this technology. Enough, there's more computing power in my phone than there was that put a man on the moon. But what do we say about it? Well, I don't understand it, but my seven-year-old can show me how to use it. We like complexity, but we want to keep it. In the words of my father, he would always say before, you know, he'd say, he'd talk to me, he'd say, son, he said, what are you doing? I'm going to a meeting, dad. He said, son, make sure this is a kiss meeting. I said, what do you mean? He said, keep it simple and short, stupid. We want to keep it simple. And we want to take the complex issues of our world and we want to make them just simple sound bites that we can deal with on the news in something like 30 seconds. We want to take the grave issues that are facing our nation, like inflation, like racism, you fill in the blank, beloved. And we want to make it so simple. And in doing so, in doing so, we have sinned. Because I fully believe that if we are made in the image of God, a God who is complex because of his Trinitarian makeup, and that means that we are complex and we are supposed to be a people of complexity. That as we seek to oversimplify things, we are fighting his image and we are fighting who he wants us to be. We should not in any way seek to make the faith oversimplified. Because the world beyond us 
understands that we live in a complex world. They understand that these issues cannot, that we're facing as a nation cannot be resolved quickly. And we give them a cheap Jesus when we oversimplify it. God is complex. If you don't believe God is complex, think about how you're made. Think about how you're made. If you don't want to think about how you're made, think about the mind of your children or grandchildren or niece or nephew. Can you figure those minds out? No, 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 no. And I'm not even going to get to husbands and wives. God is complex. We spin on a circle in the middle of a universe, and yet we somehow don't ever get off kilter. If we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were any further from the sun, we'd be too cold. To regulate heat around our world, he creates storms with storm fronts, and he moves it all around. You see, this is all complex, beloved. He calls us to complexity. We are to be And if you want to know my earnest desire for us as a congregation, when people talk about us around Alamance County, I want people to say that, yes, they are grace-centered, kingdom-driven, disciple-making community champions. And when they get to the end of those eight words, I want them also to say this. They are a church that is the image of God. That is the image of God because they are love. Because they do strive for uh, equitability amongst all people. And they are the church that thinks. They will not give you an easy gospel. They will not give you easy answers. But they will walk with you through the difficulties as they seek to figure them out themselves. Because they are so powerfully in love with God that they want every day to look like Him. And so they'll take the hard path. That's who I see as Grove Park. And so on this day of Pentecost, will we allow the full manifestation of the Spirit to return to us in such a way that it enables us to make us who we are really intended to be made in the image of God. And when we do so in such a way that we can be the community of the new reality. My dad always liked to tell this to people. Somebody would say something about, you know, you look nice to him. And he, he, he'd say this. He'd say, you know, I got up this morning and I went in and I was looking in the mirror. And I said, mirror, mirror, if I'm not the best looking man in Onslow Counties, tell me. He said, you know what? 
The mirror has never said a word. Beloved, here is this thought today. We're about to give you a few moments to say, mirror, mirror. We're about to let you say to God, God, am I reflecting your image? God, are we reflecting your image? And the power of the Holy Spirit, beloved, will answer you. Most assuredly, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will be the, the speaking voice that guides us. So I encourage you to say mirror, mirror. And find out just where you stand with God. And run to his answer. Let's pray. Father, you made us in your image. Every one of us is made in your image. The question is, do we look like you? Show us, Lord, where we have chosen not to look like you. Show us, Lord, where we are, through whatever reason, failing to look like you. And help us. Help us. To look like you. Because that is what we want. That is what we want. we really can say you're all to us then that means that we are in your image for we ask these things in Jesus name Amen we hope you enjoyed today's message please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021 please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington, or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.